Hey there, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here for another on the road episode. You know, you're always living in the end, whether you realize it or not. For many years of my adult life, the ends I lived in were uh, being broke, sickly, underappreciated, and that's what I experienced. I would hear news of a poor economy and I'd go right to the end. It's going to be hard. Money's tight. It's hard to come by. Only the rich can succeed. What, what chance do I have? Or I'd have a little discomfort in my body and go to the end. I'd start dwelling in worst case scenarios and what that little discomfort means. Isaiah 46.10 says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Here's a different translation. I like this one. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. This isn't some ancient God somewhere detached from us. This is my awareness of being, my imagination talking. It is yours talking to you. I, the I of me, declares the end from the beginning. I will always experience what I am imagining, and it can't be otherwise. If I am experiencing a situation or a way of life that I no longer want to continue, that's my beginning. That's my starting point, recognizing that I no longer want to experience or express this state. I'm right here now. In this state, I no longer want to express, so I decide what I do want. I don't start worrying about or trying to figure out how it's going to be accomplished. I do what Neville says and what the Bible says. I go to the end, my desire already being true. I'm declaring my end from this moment, this beginning. I assume the feeling of my wish fulfilled, the truth of it, the reality of it now, in this moment. As you might be aware of, my community was hit hard by a recent hurricane. If you do online searches for stories and images from Hurricane Laura, you'll probably see a lot of damage. And you might see posts from people in this area crying for attention from the world, demanding the government step in and help, and complaining when they don't do it fast enough. I'm not knocking uh, aid, accepting aid from uh, the government or different agencies and organizations, not at all. But what are you imagining if you're begging for attention and aid from others, thinking that you have to have them to change your life? Psalm 118.8 says, It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It's better to trust in I am, my awareness of being, than to depend on any institution or government or any seeming other. Anything other than reliance on the power and wisdom of God is making a false God. Now, I'm in this too. I'm not looking on from a distance telling folks that are dealing with the aftermath of the storm to just get over it, suck it up. And I'm not telling them, don't worry, it'll get better. With time, things will get better. It always does. No, it won't get better. 
Your life will not get better if you're assuming that the world is out to get you, assuming that you're a victim, assuming that you need others to be successful. You will always experience what you're imagining. So I'm not going to tell you, don't worry, it won't get better. It'll get better. This is up to you. It's up to what you're imagining. It is up to your awareness of being, who and what you are aware of being. My house, my physical house, is uninhabitable after the storm. Water is soaked through um, most of the sheetrock and carpets and floors. But each one of us decides the meaning of what we're experiencing. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Every moment of time is my beginning, and my awareness of being is God, my imagination. So at all times, I am imagining the meaning of things. I can choose to define the storm as something horrible and feel a pit in my stomach looking at my house and my city, or I can see the beauty of change, of movement, and see everything as an opportunity to explore who I really am and imagine lovingly for myself and my family and for others. Because as Neville says, our divine purpose is to know imagination. We can't help it. We, every one of us will get to know imagination, to awaken to who we really are. And it doesn't end. It nev- awaken, being awakened uh, or enlightened, or, you know, all of these things, these terms that we throw around, you don't stop. There's, it's a never-ending expansion. No one here in these uh, physical garments, in this human experience, uh, can claim that they're done, that it's over. They're, they've reached the pinnacle of enlightenment or uh, being awakened. No, that just, for me, that just means, oh, now I know I am the cause of my experiences. I can't blame another. It is an awakening. Memory returning. Oh, I know who I really am. Now, let's enjoy this ride. So for me, that's all that means, awakening. It's not some, doesn't make someone holier than anybody else or a master or a guru. Come on. But all of us will awaken to who we really are. I'm not bragging at all. I could slip into unlovely states thinking the world is against me. And if I let my inner talk, my reactions and feelings go all willy-nilly, then I'll find myself posting photos of the horrors and devastation and calling out for help and attention. Oh, woe is me. What's happening to me? And I'd be creating all sorts of false gods on which to depend or to blame for my circumstances. I'd be lying to you if I said having to move to another city, even temporarily, and live out of a suitcase wasn't an inconvenience. But what is an inconvenience, really, if you know You own the world. My imagination kills and gives life. It wounds and it heals. It creates the dark and the light. Knowing that it's up to me to imagine differently if I'm ever going to experience something different, it's a freedom that I'd never experienced before for most of my life. I am always assuming something and experiencing the reflection of my assumptions, not just sometimes, but all times. My assumptions always lead. My physical actions and what happens in my world follows. I'll give you an example from yesterday. 
My sons and I had been gone back to Lake Charles to our house to clear debris and see about setting up our generator so we can at least sleep in the house with a tiny little air conditioner. All week, contractors, tree services, roofers, mold killers have been coming by the house wanting my business. Several of them were from Florida. Others were from, geez, California, uh, up north somewhere, from all over coming in to get our business. So, and honestly, that, you know, it bothered me, started to bug me. It's like, just leave me alone, please. So I slipped into a state. And when I got a call from some unknown number in Florida, I assumed it was another one of those hurricane chasers wanting to get my uh, business, wanting me to sign a contract and, hey, well, we need you to pay cash up front, one of those kind of things. So my assumptions led to how I answered the phone and my whole experience with that phone conversation. This unknown voice on the phone said, is this the person to whom I'm speaking? And I immediately thought, geez, what a smart ass. I thought he's trying to be funny and he's going to try to sell me something. And based on my assumption, I responded, uh, not in a mean way, I don't think, but a short, impatient way. I said something like, of course this is the person you're talking to. Who else would it be? <laughs> and then the line went dead. And as soon as it dropped, I, re I recognized the voice of the person who was trying to be funny. He wasn't being a jerk or a smart ass. It was my good friend Clay Mara from thevibeproject.org. And I laughed. I busted out laughing when I realized it was him. And in that moment, I dropped, I dropped that state I was in, that mood I was in. I let it go right there. That shift, that laughter, and uh, the thrill or the joy of having, uh, getting a call from my friend Clay uh, shifted me into a lovelier state right then. And I messaged him on Facebook Messenger because the like I said, I, the phone calls weren't going through. So I messaged him and said, hey, was that you? <laughs> and I told him I didn't realize it was him, thought it was a hurricane chaser. And he probably still thinks I hung up on him. Anyway, we got to talk today on the phone and we had a good laugh about the whole thing. Now, you might be thinking that that example doesn't apply, but it does. My imagination, my assumptions always lead. My physical experience this physical world follows. I was in a mood, and my experience echoed that mood. For a good while after finding Neville, I'd do formal sessions and imagine myself into the state of my wish fulfilled. I'm sure you've done it too, or you're just starting to do it, or you've been doing it. And I would think, okay, that's it. I did it. That is all that I need to do. And I'd go about my day, letting my thoughts and feelings and reactions run amok throughout the day as long as I got it during my session, right? Well, I did it in my session and then I wouldn't pay attention to uh, everything going on, my inner talk, how I was reacting to things. But I never truly remained in the state of my wish fulfilled because I was making a thing out of it. I was making a big deal about it and thinking that that's it. I did the activity I needed to do. My imaginal scene, there it is, it's done and the rest of the day be damned. I don't have to worry about it. Well, no, my inner talk, my reactions and thoughts and feelings were, if I had paid attention to it, would have told me, hey, dude, you're not dwelling in the state of your wish fulfilled. You're still in the state of lack, of want, of need. I didn't really get that it's always happening. 
I'm not just imagining in those moments when I sit down in the silence or sit down for a formal session or to meditate or to pray. I am never not imagining. I'm never not assuming my world into existence. It doesn't stop and start during a session, at the beginning of a session, at the end of a session. It is who I am. And every experience is because of what I'm imagining. If I assume the universe is out to get me or that the year 2020 has it out for me, then I'll continue to get knocked on my ass by circumstances. My friend Roger Felter posted something today on Facebook that hits on this. Now, he's from this area too, and he's experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing in the physical world. Uh, as far as what the facts say, um, each one of us gives meaning to the facts and how we're going to experience it. So I can't truly say we're experiencing it the same way, but he's from this area and is seeing what I'm seeing. He and I both have friends and neighbors blaming the government and complaining that the government isn't fast enough and that the rest of the country and the world is ignoring us over here in our little part of the state. We're always ignored. Nobody pays attention to us. We need attention. We need more news stories about how awful it is here. We need pity. We need sympathy. That's what they're crying out for. So he posted a little meme that says, Your attention, please. No one is coming to save you. This life is 100% your responsibility. Please plan accordingly. <laughs> In Neville's lecture, The Pearl of Great Price, he uses the parable about the pearl of great price in the Bible. In that story, Jesus describes the kingdom of God as a pearl of great value, and a merchant who finds the pearl sells all he has to purchase it. Luke 17, 21 tells us where the kingdom is. It's within you. It's within me. So when we find out the kingdom has been within us, has been us all along, we get rid of all we held on to, to doctrines, governments, everything we once relied on, and turn to the only true power, our awareness of being, imagination. <laughs> Talking about pearls reminds me of oysters, and now I'm thinking about oyster po'boys again. Oh my God, they're so good. I haven't had one in months. Well, probably uh, since last fall. It isn't oyster season here in Louisiana. That's the fact. You know, there's the fact. It's not oyster season. How are you going to have it? Unless you have some frozen, and then you might get some bad oysters. So all these things that could ruin what I want if I buy into it. But I don't care if it's not oyster season. And I'm not big on rationality. I'm really big on being absurdly irrational. So I'm going to imagine the satisfaction of eating that sandwich right now. Sometimes I imagine... Uh, a post-meal satisfaction. Mmm, that was a good meal. Something like that. That implies I enjoyed the meal. But I really enjoy the taste of fried oysters and uh, oyster po'boys. If you don't know what a po'boy is, uh, look it up. P-O-B-O-Y. It's a sandwich. <laughs> I want to imagine the taste of the bread and the fried oysters and feel the crunch of the crust on the oysters in my mouth. Mmm. I can already taste it. My mouth is actually watering right now as I'm imagining eating it, biting into that delicious po' boy.
There, I planted the seed. I moved from wanting an oyster po'boy to enjoying eating it. I moved into a new state of consciousness just now. And I know that I will have that po'boy in my physical world very soon. I'm not worried about when, because I've already experienced it. I've already tasted it in, my, in imagination. I've already felt it in my hands and biting into it and that delicious taste of the oysters and the bread. I've already experienced it. So when it shows up is of no concern to me. I've already moved into that state. You see how simple that is? Moving into states of consciousness from wanting something to experiencing having it in imagination. Now, trusting in my awareness of being, my I amness, trusting imagination, I know that it's done. And I apply that same, uh, it's not a technique, it's just that same trust, that same knowingness, that same feeling that it's done to everything that I want in life, every experience. I take it for granted that it's done. That's my, the easiest way for me to explain to you what that feels like for me. I don't get all the, you know, the heebie-jeebies and the goosebumps and hair standing up on the back of my neck. Uh, I heard one teacher said that, you know, you'll feel it in your throat maybe, or maybe, I don't know, one teacher I heard said, you'll feel it in your throat or your lower part of your throat. And that way, you know, it's done. And then I've heard someone else say, no, you hear, you feel it in your solar plexus. And then you know what's done. I know it's done because I know that if I move in imagination and dwell and occupy any state, that I'll experience it in this physical world. And by occupying it, the easiest way for me to describe to you that feeling is I decide what I want for myself or for someone else, and I take it for granted that it's done. I go from there on that assumption that it's done. And so my behavior changes, my reactions change. And when I notice I'm reacting in a way that's contrary to that, I get back into that feeling. I remind myself how I felt in imagination when I decided that it was done. It is that simple and it is that easy because you're always doing it. I love you. This is Feeling Twisty.